Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. First real good one in weeks and weeks and weeks. Cofield and company. Adam Candy is the company. Damon is back in our Finley Toyota studios. Guys, what's going on? We're hanging out down here at the uh, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. A lot of show on the way. Candy, what's going on, buddy? All I heard was first good one in weeks and that I'm here, and I assumed that they're very closely related. So yes. That's first, fine. This will yeah. be the first good show it's fine. in weeks. Yeah. Now, I've, I've uh, uh, understood. Too often I've been... It's not a bad thing. Uh, too often I've been on the road, so sometimes in a lobby, and I feel a little strange in a hotel room just belting out a, yeah, people may think something else is going on, especially since I'm in there by myself. I mean, they, they might give you some applause when you walk out. Like <laughs> yeah, That might not yeah. be the worst thing in the world. The sure. good thing is that I've been doing this show long enough to know exactly when the earphones needed to come out. Like, yeah, 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 here we go. Friday coming up. Yeah. Okay, good, good. I'm safe. Yep. Be able to hear tomorrow. Damon, how are you, my friend? Peachy, Steve. How's that sound? Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. We can always gauge what's been going on during the day uh, around the Lotus office uh, by Damon. But we do have a really good show today. I care what mood you're in, Damon, but uh, we're going to get into the show. Uh, first of all, we got a good setup here for UNLV men's basketball. They've got a lot of what-if around the program. What-if this season? A lot of games that were uh, coin flip games, and unfortunately, they've fallen in some. And some of them have happened at the Thomas & Mack, including the uh, what a lot of people called a travesty. Uh, I didn't love the call against Utah State, a five-point play at the end of the game that took that victory away from them. By the way, we're going to talk to Danny Sprinkle later on, so uh, we'll get in his face big time. Uh, the coach of Utah State, uh, he's going to be in to help preview the Mountain West Conference Tournament, but... Uh, this is a big game, and we say they're all big games. When you drop some close games and you drop that game against Air Force about a month ago, all of a sudden you got to start scrambling, right, Candy, to kind of make things up and keep up with the Joneses. And the Joneses in the Mountain West Conference at the top generally are going to do no worse than 12-6 and six or 13-5. and five. So you're always you know, you're trying to scoop up every win you can. And in the past, UNLV dropped some of these games, and they're usually in that like 8-9 and nine to 11-7 and seven range. They need to be at least – at 10 wins, if not 11, maybe even 12, which will be really tough to actually push up into contention for an NCAA bid. And, Steve, that's kind of where I'm at here is this year in particular, keeping up with the Joneses in the Mountain West is more like keeping up with the Fords and the <laughs> Rockefellers and all of the, uh, the fancy folks, right? It's not quite Blue Bloods like it is in other places, but you're legitimately looking at six teams right now and like you and i have talked about it's not going to look like that at the finish line but six teams right now that are at least contenders for a bid to the ncaa tournament and look it wasn't that long ago that unlv was in that conversation and i maybe i'm just old and maybe when it was <laughs> maybe it was uh when You're it old. was lon kruger and not <laughs> kevin kruger at the helm yeah. that this felt more like a year-in, year-out plausible thing. Maybe it was even during Dave Rice's days, but it hasn't been since that time that we weren't sitting here in February and saying, 
Well, I guess UNLV is going to have to go on a run at the Mountain West Tournament and win either three games in three days or four games in four days to be able to make the dance. And it's this Mountain West in particular, Steve, that makes me ask the question to say what has to change, what has to be different, what, what at UNLV needs to look like. I'm not talking about San Diego State. I'm maybe not even talking about New Mexico. But what has to change for it to look like Colorado State, for it to look like Utah State, for, for these programs that are with UNLV kind of in that upper middle class of the Mountain West, but they seem to be producing higher net ratings year in and year out that give them at least the talk of an at-large. Well, the narrative for many has been you got to be more consistent and you got to carry over a consistent roster year to year. Uh, Utah State kind of blew that right out of the water. That narrative now... I mean, you'd like to have five carryover players. There are years where you don't want any carryover players, and Danny Sprinkle had none. But he went out. He, you know, when he got the job, he brought some of his own players and hit the portal and freaking nailed it. He's done a great job. So, like, even that part of the narrative about UNLV not being at 23 wins a year in the regular season, that's kind of blown to bits. Uh, so they're, I think they're a little ahead of where they've been uh, the last few years, uh, even going back to when Menzies had a couple of decent years. Yeah, pretty much – Every season this time of year, the shot of getting it at large is out the window, and they have to win the tournament. They do have an outside shot to pile up a bunch of wins here, and tomorrow it starts with CSU, a top 25 team, although I think they're going to be knocked from the rankings after the uh, New Mexico game. Uh, but their numbers are simply better. Uh, UNLV is sitting at a net of 86. That's a long haul to get up somewhere in the 50s, which would give them a chance. And I'm not even sure 5-0. and down the stretch here and a trip to the finals of the Mountain West Conference Tournament would do it, it would give them a chance. They're a tick away from the same narrative where they have to win the tournament to get the bid, right? I think. No, I mean, look, you can absolutely draw a path, Steve. I agree with you there. Yeah. I agree with you that there's a way that UNLV gets there. And I don't think that UNLV is a team that anybody looks at come tournament time and says, that's the matchup I definitely want. Because the way UNLV plays the way they're capable of defending with the size that they have, if they're able to get you to play their kind of game, it can be an ugly, slug-it-out kind of game. But if not, if it's a game that's guard-heavy, if it's a game where you got to be able to stay in front of quick guys, it becomes a much different game for UNLV. And that's not what necessarily we're used to from over the years, but that's the team that Kevin Kruger has this year. Yeah, I would say there's still one team, one program, back and look at UNLV and go, yeah, I don't have to take them seriously. Now, Brian Dutcher is not going to send that message, but San Diego State has been so dominant in the series, and they've had so many of these games where they've either blown the game open from the get-go and kind of broken the spirit of the Rebels, or they've been so reliable in the final five minutes in a close game that they simply know they can get the job done. Do I believe this UNLV team can beat San Diego State? Yes. But we can preview that game when it's closer yeah, the setup here is you got to win tomorrow. That's the way you stay alive for at least the long shot of an at-large bid. If you lose tomorrow, then I think you're in a position where you got to win out and win the conference tournament. So I was thinking with the Golden Knights, listen, we dealt with this last year with the injuries. And then there was a time later in the season, the gang's all back, and they start to peak. Is the Mark Stone injury something where that peaking may not happen and – I'll reflect what's going on on hockey social media. Is it even an injury? 
that's that serious, or do we believe that the Knights are playing games here? A lot of people are accusing them of that. Of course, it's a lot of, you know, John with 74 numbers after his name. Hey, 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 hey. You, you, you be nice to John69420. I'm sure he has a family and some very respectable co-workers who take him seriously when he traps them in the corner every day to talk about this. Yeah. What's going on with the Golden Knights is not surprising. Look, I can, I can remember being at a baseball game when the Golden Knights were going to the Western Conference Finals in year one and hearing people outside a baseball game in California talking about how the Golden Knights fans, look at this, it's year one. The league rigged it for them. They never even had to suffer. Now they got a team, and they go right to the finals. Right, yeah, okay. For those of us who've been in town for a little longer than that, the suffering was not having a team. It wasn't having a bad team. The suffering was having no teams at all. But now, with Mark Stone going out, and now Mark Stone and Jack Eichel both being on long-term injured reserve and roughly $17 million of cap space suddenly becoming available, there are some fans out there who are feeling a little salty that the Golden Knights are going to again circumvent the salary cap and be able to go trade for help to replace Mark Stone and then come playoff time when the salary cap doesn't matter anymore. They're going to have this unbelievably loaded team and they're going to run through everybody again. And how am I going to tell them they're wrong? I just watched it happen, right? But also two years ago, I watched it go completely awry. I watched this same idea of the Golden Knights being able to just get through injuries and it didn't matter who was hurt. Well, two years ago, we heard a lot about man games lost and we heard from management about how, well, you know, we just can't get around the injuries. And last year, well, everything broke right and they got around the injuries and they won the Stanley Cup. So it's no guarantee to everyone out there who is complaining about the Golden Knights that it's going to work because it has not worked more times than it has for VGK. But if y'all are feeling salty out there, I, I guess maybe you hate us because you ain't us. <laughs> You're very good at that. You're very good at the looking down your nose and dumping on other people's faces. I like it. You, there's a vicious streak in candy that people it's, don't always realize. It's a large nose, Steve. I got a lot of room to look down. Hey, we got some beaks on the show, uh, no doubt. Uh, we're hanging out. TI on a Friday, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, 55-plus TVs to watch all the action. Uh, we got some college basketball going on in front of us right now. A great place to bet as well. They got the 24-7 betting kiosk. The book is open as well. We're going to have Patrick Berbert in a little later in the show. He's one of the guys from the book, and he'll get us ready for the college basketball weekend. But before that, Matt Neverett, TV voice of the Rebels, is on the way. If anything, he just kind of cemented what we what we think of him and, and how much we respect him. And uh, like I said earlier, I think he's, uh, he's going to have a case and an argument for the best career in Mountain West history. Uh, when you start talking about a guy that's uh, – the only player in a conference to do this or that, only player in school history to do this or that. Um, you're dealing with somebody who's done a lot of really good things and a lot of great things. There's a baseball pass up ahead to Stevens. Stevens turns, launches oh a three, and he oh my god! He banked it in from midcourt to tie the game at 70. Are you kidding me? Welcome back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, that was a great call with John Sandler on it by a Curtis. The ball is in the air, and uh, you know a lot of us who were there at the game or watched it remember how horrifying that was to send it to overtime as Isaiah Stevens of CSU 
caught one uh, 34 feet from the basket and did a spinning shot off the glass. And when it was in the air, I don't mean the shot, I think the delivery, Curtis Terry's like, oh, no. And it went in, and uh, they went to overtime, and Isaiah Stevens stayed hot. He has been hellish to deal with. And I've made the, the, the joke several times, Candy, when we sat down with Isaiah Stevens from Colorado State at Mountain West Conference Media Day, I looked at him deadpan, and I'm like, why are you still here? Will you leave? And he's been great again this year. He's in his, uh, his super senior season. So we'll get into that. We'll get a recap of the Kevin Kruger radio show last night because Matt Neverett was co-hosting with John Sandler. Matt is out getting ready for the home opener for the Hustlin' Rebels. We want to get some baseball coverage on here. And, of course, Matt is uh, one of the voices of the Aviators. Mr. Neverett, how are you? Hey, doing well. Happy to be on with you guys. I'm actually uh, pulling into early Wilson Stadium as we speak on the campus of UNLV. Beautiful. I was just there about uh, four hours ago driving around, uh, avoiding cones all over the area. Don't worry about those cones. Go to the game tonight. Um, all right. First off, Let's set up, before we get to some personnel and stuff like that, let's set up what's happened so far uh, with the Hudson Rebels because they started out in California, right? Yeah, they opened it up in Stockton against Pacific, who they had won 10 straight against uh, going into this uh, the three-game series last weekend. They actually dropped the first game by a whopping one to nothing final. It was a Ryland Charles solo shot, the only offense for the Rebels. Or Sorry, it was 2-1 to one final, but Charles home run, the only offense for the Rebels in that game. Just really... Uh, a symptom of early season hitting. You'll, you'll see that across every level of baseball, even the, you know, these West Coast teams that are able to get out early. It is tough sledding at the beginning of the year with the bats, and that was the case in the opening game. They went back the next two days and uh, had to mount some late comebacks but were able to beat Pacific uh, out of the WCC. And then they went up to Stanford in Palo Alto and beat the number 23 Cardinal uh, on the road. It was a really, really good win, a lot of good pitching, which is something that the program hasn't seen a lot of in recent years, and the bats starting to wake up as we're now four games through the year. Matt, as you look at the landscape of both UNLV and the Mountain West, I can think back to another lifetime uh, when I broadcast a few of the uh, Rebels baseball games, and I remember seeing Steven Strasburg. I remember seeing C.J. Crone coming in from other places in the Mountain West, and of course for UNLV, names like Bryson Stott and Kyle Isbell who become more of household names in the majors. As you look at both this Rebels team and you look across uh, some of their opponents this year, who might folks coming out to early Wilson be able to get a look at that uh, maybe down the road might be names that they get to see playing in the show? Yeah, uh, Mountain West only seven teams with, with baseball. It's not quite the powerhouse that it is on the hardwood or on the gridiron as well. Colorado State doesn't have a team. Wyoming doesn't have a team. A uh, handful of others don't have a team. So it is a little bit different if you compare it to you know, the Mountain West in both football and in basketball. As far as the, the teams, guys, uh, San Jose State picked in the preseason poll to, to finish in first. Kind of surprising. They're a program that's certainly on the rise. Obviously, San Diego State is historically one of the powerhouses. They had a really, really down year last year, mainly due to the fact that they had a ton of freshmen, first-year head coach. So they're kind of middle of the pack now. Uh, the, the surprising thing, and if you, like, if you, Adam, have followed the program and the conference for a while, Nevada and UNLV picked in the preseason poll as the bottom two teams in the conference. And that is really surprising given the, the historic success, really, of these, of these programs. And there really isn't a ton of individual talent, we'll say. It's a lot of great teams. One name to keep an eye out is uh, Sam Kula-Singham from Air Force. Plays first base. He was the conference's player of the year last year, preseason conference player of the year this year. Uh, a definite guy that's going to go on the first day of the MLB draft. 
this upcoming summer. Ryland Charles for UNLV, the only preseason Mountain West selection there uh, for the Hustle and Rebels. There's a, a, a lot of good teams, as mentioned, and it's, it is a very interesting conference from a historical perspective. Well, Matt, I've got to throw my bona fides out there, too, now that Adam said that. I also used to call some hustling Rebel games back in college over the air. But that's when I realized that, hey, baseball play-by-play is not for me. But you mentioned how you're pulling up to the stadium. Who's in town for the Rebels this weekend? They're taking on the Bradley Braves coming from Peoria, Illinois, in the Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, they were picked to finish last, 10th out of 10 in the NBC preseason poll. So it is a series that the Rebels will look to take advantage of for sure. And uh, the good thing is about this team, guys, is that the offense is pretty consistent. As far as the lineup top to bottom, it's a lot of the same guys from last year. You're Ryland Charles, you're Austin Krizik, you're Alex Pimentel, Santino Panaro. You go up and down the list, it's a lot of names that if you followed the team last year or even the last two years, you'll recognize. So that is a, a benefit here against this Bradley team that's pretty young coming in after getting uh, – they, they dropped two out of three against Western Kentucky uh, in Kentucky last weekend. They'll play this series here and then go home for their first home games of the year next weekend. So catching them on the tail end of a six-week – game road trip to start the year all right matt let's switch gears over to the hardwood with the running rebels you were a part of the kevin kruger radio show last night how did the energy feel from coach coming off of that big win against air force it was good uh it was it was really good and uh kevin usually pretty pretty deadpan as you guys know but he was definitely showing some emotion and uh why wouldn't he at this point in the year every win means a lot even in a, a dominating blowout win a wire-to-wire victory for UNLV. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of recap of that. We definitely talked a lot of Colorado State, and, you know, we're talking about the Mountain West here on this show. We talked a lot of Mountain West last night, just as far as the conference from a historical context, where it stands right now. It's as good as it's ever been, and Kevin definitely one that can attest to that from both a player, a coach, and a family member of someone that's been involved uh, with the conference for a long, long, long time. So he's got a really good perspective on it. So it was really fun to hear him and John talk, too, about, you know, some of the top names that have been in the Mountain West Conference last 10, 15, even 20 years. Um, so, yeah, really, really good stuff from, from Kevin last night and uh, a, a good turnout as well at the, the uh, Parkway District at, or Parkway District, uh, at the Tavern. So I've got to ask, because he didn't want to say revenge game against the Air Force, but did it feel like the team came out, maybe in your eyes, with a li- that little bit of an extra edge of we've got to prove that we're better than Air Force? I, I think internally, absolutely, and one of the things that Kevin had mentioned that I – certainly was encouraged to hear was that there really wasn't a discussion to that point. There wasn't like, hey, you know, they, they embarrassed us on our home floor. We have to go get this. We have to do this. He said it was a, a business-like, uh, you know, attitude from a lot of these guys. And that's what they have been when they've been really successful. When they get a handful of wins in a row like we saw, they really just go out and take care of business. They don't need the added motivation. It's a lot of high-motor, high-energy players on this year's roster. So it was really encouraged to hear that the mindset wasn't too vengeful because then you start pushing you start worrying about things that aren't in your control. And against a team like Air Force, you really only can control what is in front of you. And I thought they did a really good job of that start to finish, especially towards the end of the game. Three-game series coming up for UNLV Baseball. Starts up today. Matt Nevert is on the call, goes through Sunday. And then, of course, big one over at the Thomas & Mack. 5 o'clock start with a 4.30 run Rebel warm-up right here on ESPN Las Vegas. That's against Colorado State. I think Isaiah Stevens is the most impactful single player in the conference in the matchup against UNLV. I'll I'll ask Matt first, and if uh, Demon and Candy want to chime in with someone else, who is the best player in the league for you, Matt? It's hard to argue against Isaiah Stevens. Um, 
you know, you might see some votes for a guy like Tyson Dagenard, who does a lot of different things, including a little bit more of a of a presence down low. But as far as individual skill set, I, I think it is Isaiah Stevens. And one of the things that Kevin had mentioned during the coaches show last night when we were previewing this matchup is that it's not just, you know, Isaiah Stevens, you know, setting a record in Nico Medved's tenure or in the last 10 years. No, he is setting conference records with the three-point shooting, with the scoring, with the distributing. I, I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find another player in the country that does as many things well as Isaiah Stevens does, and that includes getting his teammates involved. He's got a great supporting cast in Nick Clifford, in Cartier. They've got a great cast around him, and Stevens is a guy that is certainly, I would say, more so than most other players in the country, capable of not only getting his numbers, but of getting his teammates their points and assists as well. Do you guys have anyone that you watch um, where you're like, hey, that guy's the best player in the league? Is it Jaden Ledee? He's about the know, only Steve. other one. Yeah. <laughs> I would say in, in my eyes. Matt, I wanted to ask you, I wanted to talk about baseball because I know we're short on time here, but the new Fanatics uniforms, you're around baseball. Have you seen anything that's gotten this much bad publicity in a while? No, and certainly not when it comes <laughs> to the uniforms. Um, I, I do think that it is a little overplayed, and I think that with people just being bored and starved for baseball right now, they're taking this as a storyline and running with it, which, uh, you know, there are certain elements that I think are, are worse than others with the new uniforms. I think that the lettering on teams that have the, the names on the back is just atrocious. Uh, they, are, they are spread out. They're not consistent. I saw Ian Happ earlier today. It looked like his jersey on the back said H space, a space and then the PP tight together, <laughs> just just no no consistency. Uh, a lot of a lot of people talking about the, the the pants, and I will say the pants do look a bit thinner. However, all the pictures that I'm seeing are from indoor controlled lighted environments. When I've been watching these spring training games over the last couple of days, it doesn't look nearly as striking, uh, and that's something that we've seen in the past. Uh, I, I'm a fan generally at pre pre this season of the Nike uniforms and what they've done. Um, but I'll be interested to see kind of what changes, if any, are taken because Nike's kind of come out and doubled down and say, oh, no, we worked with hundreds of players and blah, blah, blah. It's going to be the best, lightest, most comfortable jersey ever. I think that remains to be seen. So I'll be interested to see more so uh, the individual players that come out. Because Mike Trout, guys, who is a Nike poster boy, he's been the Nike sponsor forever, says, oh, no, they're great. Of course he's going to say that, right? Well, he's got yeah. a choice. Team guy, team guy. All right, Matt, have fun tonight. Uh, tell people when the uh, first pitch is and what's going on during the weekend with the baseball team. Austin Rebels take on the Bradley Braves, 6.05 tonight, 1.05 tomorrow, and 11.05 on Sunday. You can come out tomorrow and catch both the baseball and basketball games back-to-back. And uh, if you, you park over at Early Wilson, walk over to Thomas and Max. There's your great parking spot. Bam, best pitch I could have given. All right, we'll be listening, Matt. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Have a good rest of the show. Matt Everett, voice of the Hustle and Rebels, TV voice of the Runner Rebels and the Rebel football team. And Candy, do you think there's something more sinister at hand here? Is this a sneaky initiative by Rob Manfred to get everyone to wear a cup? Uh, will there be sock stuffing? Or are people just going to go sort of commando and just let the entire crowd look at their nuts and berries? You know, at some point, I think Rob got a little tired of torturing us. Here we go. I think we as baseball fans, we already knew what Rob Manfred was going to do to us. Our, our, our daddy, Bobby Baseball, was going to say to us, look, 
I don't care if you like my Ghost Runner. I don't care <laughs> if you like my pitch clock. I'm going to make my pitch clock even shorter, and you're still going to like it. You're going to love my new shorter clock. And you know what? Yeah, we did. We just went along with all of it, but Robbie got bored. He said, hmm, I'm tired of making the fans feel it now. I want to make the players feel it too. Let's see what you do about my tight pants. Let's see what you do about my see-through uniforms. You can't do anything. You can't change a thing. Put them on, strut around on that field, and wait till I tell you to stop. Now back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Treasure Island's Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, the home of uh, Cofield and Company on Fridays. Friday's home for Cofield and Company. Candy's here. Damon. Good stuff, Candy. Good stuff. I knew you would creep us out with these see-through pants around Major League Baseball, so uh, Bobby Baseball getting the job done. Um, I'm not going to say it creeps me out, but when I, I feel like we're getting overexposed to Eli Manning. Peyton Manning is a comedic genius. Slice that meat. Slice that meat, right? He's He's got great timing. He's done SNL. Um, I feel like Eli's got a personality, but he's been kind of dragged along here for this cool ride. We've got news that he may be getting his own TV show and not the Manning cast. What's going on here? All right, so if you saw the little skit that Eli Manning did where he dressed up like Chad Powers with a little wig and a mustache and tried to go convince everybody out at Penn State that he was a walk-on quarterback who was just coming in and, you know, was going to crush all of their dreams. Um, It was a fun little five minutes, right? Like, I, I enjoyed five minutes of Eli Manning messing around with people. But apparently now this is going to be something that becomes an Amazon series. And I think we've all forgotten who Eli Manning is in this whole thing. Eli Manning is the clear foil, the number two, the guy who makes Peyton Manning a little bit funnier. If you need to know why this isn't going to work, why we do not need any more of Eli Manning being Chad Powers we're about to get, just go back anywhere in Saturday Night Live for the last 25 years. Did we need the ladies' man as a full movie? Did we need Mm. Superstar with Mary Catherine Gallagher as... A full movie? What? Did we need the club guys with Chris Kattan and Will Ferrell? Yeah, Damon, you swing that head. What is love? I don't know, but it's not the love that I feel when I hear that Eli Manning is going to get his own Chad Powers series on Amazon. Stop it. And it's going to be Glenn Powell. No, they're just taking the IP from Eli Manning. He's not going to. He's just going to be executive producer for coming oh. up with the credit. But Glenn Powell, it doesn't work because he's good-looking, and I thought that was some of the humor in it with Eli Manning is that he's a 40-year-old, clearly, and, you know, he's got that Manning look to him. It's no way that this is believable. If you put a charming actor in the role of Chad Powers, is what they intend to do, it's just not going to work. This is all Ted Lasso's fault. Now anything can work? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's like, oh, that was a funny commercial. It's a great TV show, but no. 
I, 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 I am personally offended as a man <laughs> in his 40s who has never looked better than Ooh. I do right now. Okay. Never, not once, have I had more sexual appeal than I do right this moment. What? Come on. Right this moment. You step on a college campus, you're turning heads? That's not where I want to turn heads. My God, yeah. that's terrifying. No, 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 no. I do not want to step on a <laughs> well, college campus and turn any be... heads. I, I do not want to have any question in the mind of the law as yeah. to whether I rolled up in a windowless van to that college campus. I'm just saying you set the dating app parameters to the right ages, and there's a market. There, there's a clear market that I don't think I had when I was rocking Eddie Bauer in my 20s. to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Adam Candy's here. Come on as well. It is Cofield live. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. we got the Mountain West Conference Tournament coming up. Still plenty of season left. Four and five games for a lot of the teams around the conference. This guy, this guy, Danny Sprinkle. What a job he's done at Utah State. He joins Cofield and Company. How are you, sir? Doing great. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're good. good. Appreciate uh, we, you having me on. Yeah, and no, I'm glad you're on. We we want to talk yeah. about Aggie basketball and the atmosphere up there. And uh, right out of the gates, I actually do have to apologize to you. I'm not even sure if you noticed it at the Mountain West Conference Media Day. You probably don't remember because you did a lot of interviews. But you sat down with us, and I almost blew you off in terms of respect for what you might do this year. Because I I'm looking at the roster. I knew you had some good players, but I'm like an entirely new team. This poor guy. Uh, you're far from a poor guy. This has been a hell of a year. For, I mean, it's, it's been pretty crazy. So sorry we didn't go deep into the roster back in in uh, whatever it was, September or October. Uh, this hey, has turned no out to be a great season, all. man. You were actually one of the only people that probably talked to me, even though you didn't give me much time. Hey, I appreciate the little time we had. So. Uh, we gave you a lot of time. We just talked about Logan a lot. But uh, let's, yep. act, let's talk about the season and what your expectations were. Has this succeeded your expectations with basically a new team? Oh, no question. I mean, anybody in the country or the world, if they had said that we'd be in first place going into our last four games in the Mountain West, like, you'd have been crazy. You know, I mean, this team is it's come such a long way. Um, you know, the players, they just bought in, and, and uh, they've been tremendous. You know, and our staff has been phenomenal, my assistance with them. And, and just we just got to keep, you know, got to keep going one game at a time and, and see where it goes. What's come, to better, uh, come together the best for your team in terms of a player or something you're executing well? No, just the chemistry. You know, th- these guys, they really they root for each other. You know, there's no selfishness. It's really hard nowadays when you're bringing in so many transfers. It's hard when you're bringing in four or five new players into a team because they're all expecting big roles, let alone when you have 13 brand-new guys. You know, and so you know, all those guys came here with the intention of, being starters and being great players in the Mountain West, but, you know, you can't do that for everybody, you know? And so they've, uh, they've really bought into each other's success, and, and uh, it's a great group to coach. Danny, when you come in as the head coach of a Division One program these days, how many players year to year are you expecting to need on a roster, right? Because we've talked about the days where maybe you have two or three scholarship spots trying to fill are pretty much yeah. over because of the amount of movement in the transfer portal. So how do you approach that as a staff? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, on a normal year, you're probably thinking, you know, three to four. You know, 
anywhere from two to four guys probably leave every year. Uh, that's probably the average on the national level. Um, you know, like you're not expecting to take over a Mountain West program and have to and have no points, no rebounds, no assists returning, and you got to sign 11 players in mid-April. You know, like you don't expect that, and and I don't think that's going to happen that much. You know, I think it was me and and the coach at New Mexico State are really the only two that have ever kind of inherited, you know, a program like with those numbers returning. But yeah, I mean, hopefully it doesn't. You know, it, it's it's just it's such a different landscape in college basketball and college football like everything nowadays that you know i mean it's going to become you know i don't think having to sign 11 guys late is going to become the norm you know unless there is some coaching changes but hopefully hopefully it doesn't coach it's not fair to the fans like it's you know fans love following guys for three four years you know and it's it's really hard to do nowadays Coach, one of the things that we've said on this show is that how, with how deep this conference is, that the conference is going to cannibalize each other with the tough games that everyone is playing night in and night out. What would have been your thoughts on this conference and how tough it is? Oh, it's brutal. It, it, it's exactly <laughs> what you just said. It got to a point like, like when I was in the Big Sky, like I would always look down the road like, hey, here's who we play in two weeks, three weeks, just so I knew how to kind of motivate my team or like what I was trying to get across or what we were preparing for where it got, it's disheartening. When you look down the schedule in the Mountain West and you're going, okay, we have to go from at UNLV and then you play Nevada and then all of a sudden, okay, congratulations, you're on the road to Boise and at San Diego State. You know, yeah. it's like there's there's no, like, you, you don't even want to know who you're playing next week. It's like, hey, we'll just get to that game when we get to it. But it's a, it's, it's a phenomenal league. Like the venues, the venues are so fun to play in. I mean, almost every road game we've had has been, you know, pretty close to being packed, and uh, it's 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 fun, and obviously the players the players make it, and the coaches. Utah State head coach Danny Sprinkle joining us here on Cofield and Company with Demond, Steve, and Candy. And Steve, I realized as soon as Danny mentioned Montana State, I have to issue my own apology real quick before we get back to talking uh, about Mountain West basketball because. I I have shared a court with Danny before. Um, it, it happened in 1998 when I was a student at NAU, and we all rushed the court at the end of the Big Sky oh, Championship game. Goodness. I have to ap- I have to apologize. I have to I, listen. I, my my biggest concern rushing the court was that I was going to run into Nate Homestead, and that dude was going to knock me down just like <laughs> That's not, because he's enormous. Yeah, you'd rather run into me than him. I know that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I just, I in case in case we got in your way at all, in case we added to the misery, I just want to give my own apology right there because I'll tell you what, going into that game, I was terrified because uh, you, you guys had a great team back then. And what are your memories of playing back then? And like. First off, NAU was so good. The Big Sky was so good back then. You know, like when you look at, I mean, NAU had, you know, they had a guy coming off the bench who got drafted by the Lakers, you know, Dan McClintock. You know, but you look, I still talk to, you know, Ross Land and Billy Hicks. They just text me after uh, our San Diego State victory the other day. So it's, it's fun to hear from guys like that. Or, you know, when I'm out recruiting and I see Jamie Dixon, you know, or I still talk to Ben Howland, you know, like I'll call him or he'll call me, every, you know, every, every month or so. And, it's fun to kind of share some of those big sky stories and kind of talk about the old days. Danny Sprinkles up on Cofield and Company. You got the Mountain West Conference tournament coming to town. UNLVTickets.com or the MW.com to get the tickets. It's March 10th 
to the 16th, and we're talking a little Utah State basketball and the conference. So you mentioned getting messages after the victory over San Diego State. What was the atmosphere like that night? When you have the biggest boy come into town uh, and you've got a crowd like you have, what was the crowd like that night? And I'm also hearing, is the, the student-to-regular-fan ratio actually kind of hovering more on the side of the students now? The students taking over like 50% of your building? Oh, yeah, it's it's crazy. Wow. And and I'm not just saying this. Like, you can come see it. You, can, Jeff Goodman thought. I mean, it, our student section, I can't, I can't imagine anybody being better in the entire country. Not just the Mountain West, like the entire country. It's, they're almost 4,000, 4,500 strong every game at 6 o'clock. They sprint down. They do not stop cheering until 15 minutes after the game. Like, they go, they go crazy. And uh, it's a huge advantage for us. But on Tuesday, I mean, the place was rocking. Um, I mean, the same when we played Boise. You know, and same play card. Like, you can't hear it in there. It's hard to coach because I can't get my players' attention to even be able to call plays or anything. Like, people literally have to wear earplugs, like, when they're at the game. And uh, it's, it's, it's an awesome environment, and it's, uh, it's, it's why you sign up to play in the Mountain West and at the highest level of college basketball. So if I put together a list and rank all the point guards in the league, I'd have Darius Brown pretty high up there, but... Um, you know, early in the season, reliable scorer, but not explosive scorer. And all of a sudden, what's gone into him where he's like, hey, you know what, it's time to score now? Yeah, don't don't mention him. Just keep him under the radar. Keep <laughs> right? him under the radar. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I absolutely love coaching him. Obviously, I had him at Montana State, but he's he, he is so good. He is so good. You know, I don't think he gets the, the respect nationally that he deserves. You know, I see – a lot of point guards around the country that are on the, the Bob Cousy list, and you know, top 30 point guards in the country, and, he, and he's never mentioned. If there's, if there's 25 better point guards than Darius Brown, then I, I want to see him because I know how much he means to our team and how good of a player he is. You know, I thought, you know, we don't win at Wyoming. He just he took the game over. And then same thing with San Diego State. I mean, he has 25, I don't even know how many assists, rebounds. Like, he... And he's doing it against Lamont Butler and like one of the best defensive teams and some of the best defensive players in the entire country. And so, you know, really happy with how he's, you know, played as a senior and just really led this team. And, you know, to lead 13 brand-new players the way he has, you know, it, that, it's pretty impressive. Okay, I feel like we've bonded here. Uh, when you come to Vegas – Maybe we can all share a shrimp cocktail. Uh, but Man, let's do it. You guys it, tell me where and when. Let's do it. It's very important, though, Coach Sprinkle, that we have a moment of honesty, okay? Um, okay. I'm, I'm going to throw, throw this out here. <laughs> so that's very important, especially for the Rebel fans. Um, the end of the game here, Utah State and UNLV, is uh, shrouded in controversy on this end. Uh, people are very angry. They're still angry about it. I'm, I'm going to give my honesty, and then I want you to be honest with us. When I watched it over... I did think it was a foul on Caleb Boone uh, knocking Osabor to the floor. I guess the issue here is, is that the time you make that call? Uh, and believe me, when I put this out there, I had Rebel fans say, you're faking. That's not what you believe. You're trying to come off as objective when it comes to the run of Rebels. No, that's what I saw. What did you see? Yeah, I saw the same. Like, it was like – yeah, it was a foul. Like, great 6'8", 260. He's not just going to, like, he's not, he doesn't just bounce off guys. You Did know? he slip? Like, Did he slip? This could be slipgate. Did he slip? It, 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 it could maybe a little bit, but, like, okay. but he All got right. hit, too, you okay. know. And uh, it's, it's one of those that, yeah, you, I don't know, maybe you don't 
see it called that often, but is it the right call? Yeah. Are referees supposed to call that? Okay. Yeah. You know, like, we've had some times, too, where we haven't, not not calls like that. Like, that's, it's, that's kind of a crazy scenario yeah. that you don't see very much. But, like, we've had times where we've driven and, and gotten hammered, and there's not a call, and it's in the last 10 seconds of a game. You know, where sometimes they let you play through stuff. Um, but I think the way just how the collision occurred, you know, like it, like the ref saw it, and uh, you know, and hmm. thank goodness for us, he called it. <laughs> uh, Danny, don't what, let Cofield do this. In that you. game that I know Rebel fans <laughs> don't want to talk about. There was a couple shot clock <laughs> violations that uh-huh. there was a deep three and a dunk and all, and all sorts of stuff. That if we want to keep going back into the oh, game, no. that's oh, enough. Yeah, don't open See? the wound. See. <laughs> See, don't don't let Cofield do this to you, Coach. Don't let Co- I'm I I'm an actual basketball referee. Don't let him start oh, doing yeah, this you to go. you. This is not hey, fair. Oh, he he likes the, to dig back into games. Yeah, There's yeah. so many calls that you can go back to in any game. This is no classic doubt. Cofield. I'll tell you what, because the other thing too is that people don't that people don't want to talk about is okay. Darius Brown made a big time three. He had to make that three. Yeah. UNLV didn't let him make that. three. Great still had to make two big-time clutch free throws. You know, nobody gave those guys that. They had to earn that. But I'll tell you what, just quick story. The best thing about that UNLV game, I'm walking off the court. And, you know, yeah, you kind of have to go behind the basket and you go through that little tunnel. Yes. And I don't know who the lady was, but she's, she's older. And she, she got my attention and she's like, Coach. F you and just flipped me off right in my face. And I was like, Oh I was, no. I there and I was like, two things went through my mind. I was like, like, lady, you're lucky my mom's not here or Ooh. she'd just be mopping the floor with you. Oh, okay, there you she's, go. For, she's from Butte, Montana, and you don't don't mess with Butte, Montana. There and then number go. two, uh, I was like, This is awesome. Like this is what this is Mountain West. Like how passionate she was. I was like, This is awesome. You know, like I was actually like that's good. Like that's that's what it should be like being a rebel fan or an Aggie fan. But I was glad to get out of there. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, it's, it's rough here sometimes. It's rough. Uh, yeah, yeah, I the, love the, it. I the, loved it. Yep. Uh, so the tournament's coming up. I got about thirty seconds. I mean, going into yep. this thing, you still got uh, work to do here. I mean, this is going to be completely unpredictable because there are you know going down. You could probably go down eight or nine uh, teams in this conference. There's going to be some upsets in this in this bracket. Oh, no question. No question. I mean, you look at the I mean, you look at the top 8 teams even right now, like there there's no separation. There's really not. It's anybody can beat anybody, especially when you're on a neutral floor. And you know, you mentioned there's still there's still time to go in the season where I mean, seeding's going to get crazy here in the next couple of weeks. And so, we just have to we have to worry about us and we got to there's a lot of things that we need to get better at. Uh, you know, and and we just have to focus on that. Great convo. We appreciate a couple minutes here on a Friday, and we'll see you when you're back in town in a couple weeks. You got it. Appreciate you guys. Let's do it. Shrimp cocktail. Um, hey, he was pretty honest. He was pretty honest. Danny Sprinkle, Mountain West Conference Tournament. All the coaches around the uh, conference are helping us preview the thing. 10th to the 16th. Get your tickets now at UNLVtickets.com, TheMW.com. And, you know, another big reason, aside from the men's bracket, Candy, uh, you have a chance. Well, I will tell the fans of the men's team, you have a chance to really get behind the runner rebels, but... Uh, Lady Rebels, again, may be in a position where they don't have a real margin for error because their net is good. They did a better job with the schedule, but they're not guaranteed if they lose in the tournament to get a bid 
to the NCAA. So there's a lot on the line at the Thomas and Mac. Never in the Mountain West women's are you guaranteed to be able to get an at-large bid. Right now, Bracketology has the Lady Rebels as a seven seed. Uh, that would very easily fall off if they were to lose early in the Mountain West tournament. Flip side, how about a UNLV team that could win three consecutive Mountain West championships, which would be pretty amazing for this program? 